Welcome to Choice Classic Radio, where we bring to you the greatest old-time radio shows. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and thank you for donating at choiceclassicradio.com. The makers of Campbell Soup present The Campbell Playhouse. Orson Welles, producer. Good evening. This is Orson Welles. Tonight we have the honor to bring to you once again the foremost actress in the American theater, Miss Helen Hayes. And to bring her to you in a part of her own choosing as a famous actress of another generation, as Donna Broom in Clemence Dane's Broom Stages. But before our curtain rises on Broom Stages, Ernest Chappell has a guest with him this evening... And I understand he wants to put her under a spell, so to speak. Am I right, Ernest Chapel? Well, uh, for a spell, you might say, Mr. Wells. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, the other day I met a young woman who's taken part in a number of spelling bees. I tried her out on some real sticklers, and she was so good, I, well, I invited her to be with us tonight. Will the class come to order, please? I'm quite in order, Mr. Chapel. Now, now, we'd like to test you on that spelling ability of yours. Very well. I'm ready. Good. Now, the first word. Get this now. The first word is Lilliputian. Lilliputian. L-I-L-L-I-P-U-T-I-A-N. Lilliputian. <laughs> right, there's Webster. Three L's. All right, now the next word is newsstand. N-E-W-S-S-T-A-N-D. Newsstand. <laughs> I didn't forget that second S, I see. Oh, that's fine. Now, here's an easy one. Suppose you spell tomato soup. Tomato soup. There's only one way I spell that, Mr. Chapel. Well, how do you spell tomato soup? T-A-M-P-B-E-L-L apostrophe S. Uh, you're right there. 100% correct. That's the way most people spell tomato soup. C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L apostrophe S. In millions of homes all over this country, Campbell's is practically another name for tomato soup. Today, you almost never hear of a woman making her own. Home cooks have come to agree with the famous hotel chefs who say that Campbell's tomato soup has a flavor that cannot be equaled. So, may I remind every one of you listening tonight to enjoy Campbell's tomato soup again soon? And now, Broom Stages with our exclusive Campbell Playhouse star, Miss Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. Ladies and gentlemen, there isn't one of you, I suppose, who doesn't know the name of Broom. To those of you who are young, it means simply the name of one of your favorite movie stars. And to those of you who are older, it means I know the memory of many great evenings in the theater. Well-beloved stars with their own companies, in town and on the road. Stephen Broom in England, and Russell Broom in America, and Donna Broom. You remember them well, with gratitude and affection. And if you're very old... Then you remember the time when the Brooms owned and ran half the theaters in London. There was the Gloriana near Coton Garden and the Janista on Oxford Street. And then later the Syracuse on the south side of the river. I've been to the Gloriana. Still one of the great London playhouses. 
For Harry Broom and Maud, his Irish wife, built strongly and built well. It's been remodeled, but the famous roof survives, and rehearsals are still held there in fine weather, and the fancy pillars at the entrance still stand, and the great curtain made of looking glasses... And in the lobby, facing the ticket buyers, there still hangs the sergeant portrait of Maud herself. It's like her, too, I understand, though Donna, her daughter, always felt there was something wrong with the eyes. But then Maud didn't sit for that portrait of hers and never knew that they'd hung her up in the entrance hall of the theater. For two years after its opening, she died of a fever caught at an all-night rehearsal. And with his wife dying, Harry Broom's happiness ended like a candle blown out. That was... Fifty years ago. He went on acting, of course, and the theaters went on. There were plenty of brooms left in the world besides Harry. So, of course, there always will be. Plenty of brooms. Bring me no more reports. Let them fly all. Till Burnham were removed to Dunsinane. Fear not, Victlet. No man that's born of woman shall e'er have power upon thee. Then fly, false thanes, and mingle with the English epicures. The devil, Danny Black, thou cream-faced loon! Where got thou that goose? There is ten thousand soldiers, sir. Go prick thy face and overread thy fear, thou lily-livered boy. What, soldiers? Patch! Death of thy soul! Those linen cheeks of thine are counselors to fear. What soldiers wayface the English force to please you? Take thy face hence! Satan! Oh, I am sick at heart when I behold. Satan, I say! This push will cheer me ever, deceit me now. I have lived long enough. My way of life has fallen into the seer. The yellow leaf and that which should accompany old age as honor, love, obedience, troops of friends, I must not look to have, but in their stead curses, not loud but deep, mouth honor, breath, which the poor heart would fain deny, and dare not. Satan! What is your gracious pleasure? What news more? All is confirmed, my lord, which was reported. Hang out our banners on the outward walls. The cry is still, they come. Our castle strength will have a siege to scorn. Here, let them lie till famine and the ague eat them up. Were they not forced with those that should be ours, we might have met them therefore beer to beer and beat them backward home. What is that noise? It is the cry of women, my good lord. Mm, I've almost forgot the taste of fears. The time has been my senses would have cooled to hear a night shriek, and my fell affair would at a dismal treatise rouse and stir as life were in I have supped full with horrors. Dianus, familiar to my slaughterous thoughts, cannot once stop me. Wherefore was the cry? The queen, my lord, is dead. She should have died. Hereafter, there would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow, creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last 
syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools their way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage. And then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury. Signifying nothing. How oh, now, fellow, thy king, to use thy tongue, thy story quickly. Gracious, my lord, again, ass. Oh, wait in the gallery, please, for tonight's performance. Try to stay in line. Here, here, you don't get to push that way. Single line, please. Single line and get clear of the stage. Gracious, Macbeth of his generation, Harry Broom. That's what the papers say. Here, give us a little room. Ah, oh, quiet back there. Quiet Stand here at the stage door, please. You can't leave you can hear from where we stand, so quiet. Till famine cling thee, if thy speech be sooth, I care not if thou dost for me as much. I pour in resolution and begin to doubt the equivocation of the fiend that lies like truth. Fear not till Burnham Wood. Good afternoon, Miss Donner. Good afternoon. You going to friend, Miss Donner? No. You don't mean you're leaving, Miss Donner, in the middle of a performance? Yes. If my grandmother asks where I am, tell her I've gone home. Very good, Miss Donna. You know who that is? No. That's Harry Broom's daughter. Yes. Her and the boy Gilly. Mm -hmm. They're twins. Fifteen or sixteen they must be now. Funny looking kid, ain't she? With that white face and them big black eyes. Gawky looking, I call her. Quiet, will you? I want to wear. cheering just now, and what was the name they were calling, sir? Broom, broom, broom. They've been calling that name, sir, for over a hundred years. In every theater, in every town in England, sir. And in America, too. That name's been heard wherever there have been actors and plays. Broom. Richard Broom. He was the first. Strolling player he was, playing from the back of a cart. Didn't come to London till he was forty. Robert, his son, was the greatest of fellow that ever lived. He built this theater, the Gloriana. Our theater, the Broom's Theater. Built it with the money he earned in 40 years of playing. And left it to his son, William Broom, my father, and the greatest actor in the world. It was his for 30 years, his and my mother's. When it burned down, they went on the road, and for 10 years, they played. Till they had the money to build it up again. And now it's mine, sir, and when I go, it will be my son's and his son after him. And you come to me, sir, you have the effrontery to come to me in my own theater and offer me money as some money to tear my theater down and put up an office building, an office building. 
I tell you, sir, as long as plays are played in theaters and there are actors to play in them, this theater, the Gloriana, will stand. And there'll be brooms playing in it. And now, sir, get out. Get out before I have you thrown out. Very well, Mr. Broom. Go on, get out. That was quite a speech, Harry. Oh, really, Mother. It could even occur to anyone that I'd sell the Gloriana. People aren't blind, Harry. They can see it's getting old. Not a cheap theater to operate in. Oh, Mother, be quiet. How was I today, Mother? You were out in front, weren't you? I've never seen the he-seen better played in my life. Oh, really? What's the end? You're getting tired. Yes, it was. Uh, did the audience know it? No, no, they didn't know. Where's Donna? Why didn't she come in? She left. She what? She left word with the doorman during Act Two. She went home. She went home? During Act Two? Mm. You mean that the child comes up from the country for a week, comes to the theater, our theater, to see me play Macbeth, and she can't even stay to the end of the performance? I told you before, Harry. Donna doesn't like the theater. Doesn't like the theater. Who cares what she likes? She does what she's told. I tell you, Mother, I have a good mind to put that girl into a part. And yes, what is it? Sorry to trouble you, Governor. It's the scene painter here. He wants to talk to you about the garden set and so forth. All right, I can wait. Yes, sir, I shall. I wouldn't force Don on the stage, Harry, if that's what you were going to say. Mother, will you please let me look after my own children? The theater's not what it used to be for a girl, Harry. Your grandmother's time, yes. Then there were compensations, but now there's no glamour left. It's either respectable and dull or impossible from every point of view. Mother, there's got to be a broom on the stage. As Gilly. There's your nephew, Stephen. Yes, yeah, Stephen. Very pleased with Stephen, but Mother, he's not my own flesh and blood. We built up a great heritage, Maud and I. We built it for our children. I won't have it frittered away and Gilly... You want your son on the stage, don't you? Not yet. Gilly's only 16. He's just a child. And Donna? With a girl, it's different. With 16, Donna's as tall as I am. I've seen the way the girl sits on a horse. There's nothing childish about that. She likes to ride. The things Donna likes, she does very well. There's times she's made to do things she doesn't like. Think you can put that girl on the stage? She wants to stay in the country, at Blandon, where she's happy. Happy, eh? Broom. The broom is happy in the theater, and the stage, and the dressing room. Father had no business buying a place in the country. Mother, we're actors, not country people. My daughter doesn't know that yet, and it's time she was taught. Anyway, I never have been able to understand that, girl. Well, perhaps as you tried a little harder. Try? What are you talking about, Mother? Do you think I have the you time? You always had time for Gilly. Gilly's my son. Besides, Gilly's different. Can't help liking Gilly, but I tell you, Mother, that girl's odd. She's not like one of us. She's got no... Charm? Is that what you mean? Mm. She hasn't got the broom charm. I don't know what I mean, Mother, except that she wants breaking in. She wants using. There's something in Donna going to waste. I hate <clears throat> Donna. Yes, Father? That's Gilly. I don't know, Father. You should know, shouldn't you? Last week of your brother's holidays, he goes away Monday. Yes, Father. Aren't you sorry he's going? Have you no affection for your brother? No, but if you want me to find him, I think he's upstairs with Stephen and some of his friends. You never go about with them? No, I don't. They don't want me and I don't want them. I'd rather read. What do you read? Books. What sort of books? Whatever I can get. Do you ever read plays? Yes. Shakespeare? Yes. you ever learn Shakespeare by heart? you learn by heart at all? Yes. Why, Father? <laughs> Donna, I propose training you for the stage. Why? What's that? I asked why. You're not interested in me, Father. It's Gilly you care about. He's the one with the talent. He's the one that will carry on your name in the theater. I said, Donna, that I have decided to train you for the stage. Would you like to learn? Donna, answer me. 
Why, if you've decided, Father, that I'm to go on the stage, I suppose I'll go, shan't I? It doesn't much matter what I think. Get your Shakespeare. Turn to the Merchant of Venice. Which scene? I know them all. The quality of mercy is not strained, I suppose. That's the speech, you know? Yes, I'll cue you. On what compulsion must I tell me that? The quality of mercy is not strained. The My dear child. The quality of mercy is not strained. You're commencing one of the most notable passages in the entire literature of the theater. Now, take a deep breath, child. The quality of mercy is not strained. It droppeth as the gentle rain from heaven upon the place beneath. My child, are you entirely serious? What do you mean, Father? Do you imagine that an audience of 2,000 people who have paid their money to hear Shakespeare are to be hailed or even satisfied by these chirpings of a little sparrow? Sorry, Father. Go ahead, upon the place beneath. It is twice blessed. It blesseth... It blesseth him that gives and him that takes. Tis mightiest in the mightiest. It becomes the throned monarch better than his crown. His scepter shows the force of temporal power, the attribute to awe and majesty wherein doth sit the dread and fear of kings. But mercy is above this sceptered sway. It is enthroned in the hearts of kings. It is an attribute to God himself. Oh, stop. This is unbelievable. What's unbelievable? You're a broom, aren't you? Yes, I am a broom. Well, for the love of heaven, girl, you have a voice. You're blessed by God and seven generations of experience of the instrument of poetry. Use it, girl. She isn't speaking poetry. She's reasoning with Shylock. Why should she rant at him? Ranting isn't the word. Oh, yes, it is. I know the kind of thing you want, and I won't give it to Donna, you. Donna, my child, you'll read the quality of mercy to me as it should be read. As I wish it read. Or you won't play it at all. Then I won't play it at all. Two for tonight. Two? It'll be one in six. One in six, that is two bob. Sixpence change. There you are, Jay. Next, please. Next. Single line there. I want my money back. What's that? Yes, I want my money back. I don't want to see no understudy in Hamlet. What do you mean, understudy? I've seen it in the evening papers. Harry Broom lost his son, Gilly Broom. Died this morning of pneumonia, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Oh, young boy, well, I'm sorry, but I don't go to the theatre but once a month. And I don't want to see no understudy. I want to see Harry Broom. You'll see him. Oh. The governor don't let no understudy go on for him at the glory honour. You can be sure of that. What do you mean he's going to play anyway? With his son dead this morning? Yes, he is. Next, please. All waiting for seats in the gallery for tonight's performance. Stand in line. Single line, step by the you come, Stephen? Your father, Uncle Harry, sent me. Why did he send you, Stephen? Well, he couldn't get away. He could write. Donna, I've come to take you home. To London. You've come to take me home? This is my home, Stephen. Here at Blandon. This is my life. Donna, your father wrote you weeks ago after your brother's death. You knew what he wanted then. And I refused. I told him I never would, never could come back. So why can't he leave me alone? Donna, he still wants you to come. You mean, Stephen, I'm to live at London and go down to the theater every night with Father and throw myself into my acting and be one of the brooms? I couldn't do it. You could stay with us, with Madeline and Bean. Stephen, I won't go to London. Donna, 
Did you know that in the few weeks since Gilly died, your father's hair has gone quite gray? Oh? You know how he feels about the theater, the Gloriana, and about the succession. While there was Gilly, you could do as you pleased. But now that Gilly's gone, can't you see where your place is? Come, Donna, be human. I won't come. Donna. I won't. You'll have to come. I won't. This is my home. Here at Blandon, in the country, where I belong. The only place in which I've ever been happy. And now he wants to take that away from me. Well, he won't. How are you going to live, Donna? I have my allowance. He wouldn't take my allowance away. Stephen, he wouldn't take my... He'll use every weapon he has. And I always thought at least he was generous. Your father is generous in his own way. But you're fighting a battle with him and you won't own your beaten. When you own it, then he'll be generous. Very generous. In line. In line, please. Doors open at seven. In yeah. line. Now, what's playing tonight? Tonight, she strips to conquer with Stephen and Donna Broom. In line, please. Come on, Elliot. I ain't standing in no line to see no Donna Broom. What's the matter with her? She's a broom, ain't she? Well, if she is, she don't play like one. I've seen her last week, Raglis. Stuck up she is. A nighty time. Well, I never. That's like she was doing a blooming favor all the time she's up there. Come on, Elliot. Let's go to the A market and see the fair. Get her in. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. No casting. Sorry. Could I come back in a few weeks, Mr. Groom? Certainly. I'd be glad to see you. Stephen. Goodbye, Mr. Groom. Thank you. Stephen, you said you wanted to see me. You've made me wait an hour. Donna, why can't you be civil when you come through these people? What people? These actors after part. Old Cool Loris, Edna Barrier. Oh, Stephen, really, after Just all I... because you're a broom and the governor's daughter and you know this place will belong to you when my uncle dies. I think you must be out of your mind, Stephen. I never thought of any such thing. Well, they think of it, poor devils, when they see you sailing past like... What do you like want to speak th- to me about, Stephen? Be as quick as you can. I, I should be late for lunch. I'm sure Madeline's waiting for you. Madeline's away. Oh? The boy's been sick. Well, Donna, it's a rather difficult matter to begin. Yes, come in. Oh, the stage carpenter wants to speak to you for a moment, sir. Yes, oh, yes. Come in, Herman. It's about friends of them doors. I can't get them done by Monday. Not yet, I have help. What's uh, Tolman doing? He's busy on Sky. Doesn't take him off, but it won't be dry on time. All right. Cut across the bridge to the St. James and ask the carpenter there. He'll lend you a couple of men. That's right. Uh, well, Donna, as I was saying... Yes, Stephen? It would be civil of you to listen, Donna. I'm listening, Stephen. I can't talk to your back. What? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, go on. Well, it's... it's only... Yes, yes. Not for Mr. Morris to see you, sir. Oh, send him away. I, I'm seeing nobody this morning. Well, Mr. Bloom, he says... What he I says. don't care what he says. Put him off somehow, old boy. Oh, I'll do Ah, come on, Donna, this way. Where? Let's go up to the roof. What? It's the only place they don't bother you. I've never been on the roof. Well, you're coming now. Stephen, <laughs> wonderful up here. Why don't we rehearse here in the summer? We used to in your mother's time. She loved it. Uh, but nowadays, the governor never comes look here. Look at those people far down there in the street. They look like flies. Oh, I like it here, Stephen. I should come up often. If I let you. You know, I think... If you let me... I said if I let you, Donna. Let me? Is there any reason why you shouldn't? None at all. 
None at all, if you stay on here at the Gloriana. Stephen, you know well enough that I've got to stay here. Day in, day out, night in, night out. The rest of my natural life. Father's made that plain enough. That's why he thought of you as an asset. He was hoping you could play Cordelia with him in the spring when Uncle Russell came over from America. But now he's beginning to wonder whether you are an asset. That's what I was going to talk to you about. Your father's a businessman. He may reckon you as one of his losses and decide to cut his loss. Then, I dare say, he'll send you back to Blandon, where you so much want to be. I expect you'll be pleased at that. That's why I tell you, I'm always willing to give you pleasure. I don't know what you're talking about, Stephen. You know what I think, Donna? I think you're a cheat. Stephen! Oh, don't say stupid, Donna, when you've been so exceedingly clever. Cheat? Well, what have I done, Stephen? You don't tell me what I've done. You make it impossible for people to play with you. You shut yourself up. You play for your own hand. It reacts on the company. They feel you despise them. But I don't. I don't, I don't even... I, I never think of them. You find the company friendly? I don't know. I've never thought. Well, it's time you did. Do you know what your audiences think of you? I may as well hear the worst of myself. What do they think of me? They think you're a piece of handsome machinery in good order. It's not true. Perfectly true. What else are you? You're not a woman. You're bloodless and inhuman. You can neither give nor get love. Shall I tell you, Donna, what a critic said to me the other day? No, I don't want to hear it. You can say things about me, Stephen, and I'll let you. But I won't let anyone else. I don't know why I let you. Why do you, Donna? Why? Does it matter? I choose to. But I won't endure it from other people. Even from you, it's hard enough to bear. You make me out hard and cold. And if you think that, then I'd rather you'd say it, of course. But I'm not hard and I'm not cold. Donna, I didn't think... Oh, I don't care. I don't care what you say. Sun's unbearable on this lead roof. I'm dizzy with it. Donna, come back here. Haven't we finished, Stephen? There's really no more to say, is there? I can't be let you forever. Can I? Donna, what's the matter? (laughs) Stephen. Can't you see? I love you, Stephen. Donna. <laughs> that day when you came to Blandon to fetch me, you were so... so... Oh, I was so lonely, Stephen. So terribly lonely. And all these months we've been working together. Stephen, hold me. Hold me in your arms. Stephen. Revenges on you both that all the world shall. I will do such things, what they are, yet I know not, but they shall be the terrors of the earth. You think I'll weep? No, I'll not weep. I'm oh, Donna. I've been rehearsing all day. Uncle's warned me out. He's had no mercy. No, of course not. Are they finished with you now? No, not for another hour. He wants to run through the Gloucester scene again. You know what that means. Oh. This is the fifth week of it. I've never seen him this way before. Well, when I'm finished my scene, Stephen, I'll, I'll go. Yes, Donna, I think you'd better go home. How tired you look, Stephen. Look, dear, come to me afterwards. However late it is, I'll make you rest so well. Donna. I'm not a bit tired, really. I'll have supper ready for you, and it should be very peaceful. We won't even talk. It'll be too late. Will it? Perhaps you're right. 
You shall do as you think. I'll understand. But look, Stephen, if it's not too late, come. Do come. On stage for the Gloucestershire. Please, everybody, on stage for the Gloucestershire. Is that your call? Act one, on stage, please, act one, soon, so. Good night, Stephen, unless you come. Please come, Stephen. I ought to go home, Donna. Yes, but come. I can't, Donna. I've got to go home. Why? Madeline comes home tomorrow. This is tonight. Your wife's coming home tomorrow. You knew she was? No, I didn't know. You never told me. What are we to do? Do? It's come at last, Stephen. Oh, I'm so sorry for her. What do you mean, Donna? Are you talking of Madeline? You'll never forgive us, Stephen. How will you tell her? Or shall I? I want to share my my part of the burden. Oh, Stephen, if we didn't love each other, this, this wouldn't be bearable. Donna. What is it, Stephen? You look so strange suddenly. What's the matter? Yes, what is the matter, Donna? What have you got into your head? What have I... I'm not going to tell my wife anything. You're not? Am I to tell her then? No. Nobody is to tell her anything. But aren't we in love, Stephen? Won't she divorce you? Shan't we get married? Oh, my poor darling. You don't look at me. You don't answer me. Good, why don't you answer me? What's frightening you? Shan't we get married? Shan't we? Oh, don't spoil everything. We've had a wonderful time, haven't we? Well, it's over. It's over? It must be. Can't you see? Oh, don't be such a child, Donna. I'm married. We're people of the world, not children. Don't you see? Yes. I, I see. Yes, but why do you make me seem so... Why do you pretend... Oh, I don't have to explain things, do I, at this time of day? Oh, you're explaining very well, Stephen. One thing I want to know, though. In all these weeks, through all that's happened, haven't you loved me at all? Stephen, even a moment ago, weren't you loving me at all? I've loved you precisely as you've loved me, Donna. We've always understood each other. At least I thought so. Uh, oh, Donna, there's my call. Stephen! What's the use of talking? This thing's got to stop sometime. It had better stop now, don't you think? If Madeline were dead, would you want it to stop? Say it. Give me, give me a yes or no. Look, Donna, if I said no, it wouldn't be true. And if I said yes, it wouldn't be true. <laughs> Darling, if you go to a ball all night long and enjoy yourself, that's the end of it. You yes. want it to go on forever? Of course not. The end of it is you want to go home. Oh, Donna, don't look like that. What? What do I look like? Do I look sad? Do I look angry? Hurt? <laughs> then my looks belie me, Stephen. Truly they do. You're right, of course. It's got to stop. It's been wonderful, hasn't it? I'll never forget it, will you? And I'll never forget you, Stephen, and all you've taught me in these few months. Donna. Don't look so agonized, dear. <laughs> you make me laugh, Stephen. <laughs> you look exactly as if... As if I were the one who would break things off. <laughs> go on stage, please. The Gloucester scene. You must go down, Stephen. But kiss me first. We shan't be alone again, darling. Ever. Mr. Broome, please. Coming. I wish you'd stand by for your cue. Sorry. Is the Donna back there? Are you there still, Donna? Yes, Father. Don't go yet, Donna. I finished this scene. I'd like a run through with you. Ain't you tired? Not at all. I'll wait. 
I like watching. All right, gentlemen. Get out then. Now, Stephen. Thou nature art my goddess. To thy law, my services are bound. Oh, no, no, you're putting nothing into it, boy. Smile, boy, be gay. If you can't give me gaiety, the pot goes to pieces. Now, come on, try it again. Thou nature art my goddess. To thy law, my services are bound. Wherefore should I stand in the plague of custom? Let it, boy, smile. And permit the curiosity of nations to deprive me for that I am some swell boy. Playhouse presentation of Broom Stages, starring Helen Hayes in the role of Donna Broom, and Orson Welles playing Harry Broom and his grandson Edmund Broom. The part of Stephen Broom is being played by John Hoysrock. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. This is Ernest Chappell, ladies and gentlemen, welcoming you back to the Campbell Playhouse. In a moment, we shall resume our presentation of Broom Stages, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. But for that moment, I'd like to say a few words on behalf of the children. I don't believe there's a machine of any kind that uses up energy faster or that needs more of the right kind of fuel to keep going than the average boy or girl. Growing children need nourishing food to replace the energy they burn up and to build strong, sturdy bodies and keen, alert minds. Most doctors say that every boy or girl should have at least a quart of milk a day. But how to get the children to take that milk may be a problem. And so I want to tell you mothers about one way to do this that I'm sure they'll welcome. Simply add milk instead of water to any of these four Campbell's soups. Pea soup, celery soup, asparagus, or tomato. In this way, you give your children good vegetable nourishment combined with the important health benefits of milk. Why not make a point to serve these four soups often? Remember their names, Campbell's Tomato Soup, Campbell's Pea Soup, Campbell's Celery Soup, and Campbell's Asparagus Soup. And don't forget that they'll be keenly enjoyed by the older members of the family, too, when served as cream soups. And now we resume our Campbell Playhouse presentation of Broom Stages, starring Helen Hayes and Orson Welles. Seats for the evening performance. Stephen Broom in Romeo and Juliet. Stand in line, please. Clear the stage door there. Excuse me, I'd like to get through. Yes, here there. Make room, make room there. Clear the stage door, please. Thank you, thank you. Who's that? Who's that waiting the stage door? I don't know. A woman in black. That's funny. In the middle of a performance. It ain't funny. Know who that is? No, who is it? That's Donna Broom, Harry Broom's daughter. Harry Broom? Did he have a daughter? Been away. She was in America for ten years. America? Yeah, she married an American actor from Russell Broom's company that came over for King Lear. Hardly knew him two weeks when she married him. Married him in a way they went. What's she doing over here? Oh, come to see the will, I expect. Old Harry Broom's will. Now, shut up. We aren't trying to hear. All through apothecary, thy drugs are quick. <laughs> Thus, with a kiss, I die. <laughs>
But, Donna, don't you understand? For years, your father and I managed these theaters. Now that he's dead... Yes, Stephen, you and my father worked well. I shall step into his place. But, Donna, you're a woman. Why, for 12 years, you haven't even lived in this country. Oh, don't talk rubbish, Stephen. I've been managing my own companies in America for eight years. Well, Donna, you can't be in two places at once. When you go back to America... I'm not going back to America, Stephen. You may as well know. My husband and I are separating, probably a divorce. We have nothing in common, and my work is here. Your work? I'm guardian for Edmund, my son. The business is Edmund's inheritance. And Eustace's. Oh, certainly. You shall look after your son's inheritance, Stephen, and I shall look after Edmund's. I'm very anxious to work with you, Stephen. But, Donna, I've tried to explain to you. It's not possible for you and me to... Why not? You see, I don't intend to leave you with sole control, Stephen. I don't see how you can help it, Donna. Before he died, your father made me managing director. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. But he's dead now, and the property is half mine. As half-owner, I wish to make this arrangement. Well, as half-owner, I object, so it's deadlocked, Donna. Of course, if you want to make a dispute of it, Stephen, you can always call in my lawyer. Donna, what do you mean? I've saved a fair fortune, Stephen, but I'm prepared to spend every penny of it fighting for my right and Edmund's. Either you and I work together as my father wished... Or the property must be sold. Donna, after all that's happened between us, do you really believe that we could work together? I don't see why we shouldn't. We're arranging a partnership, Stephen, not a love affair. Well, Stephen, do you want to talk it over with your wife? You know perfectly well what she'll say. She'd be extremely puzzled that you should dislike working with me. No, she... she wouldn't. So you did tell her. You added even that. You couldn't even hold your tongue. She guessed. Did she punish you? My wife's an angel. Always was and always is. And I don't want to talk about her. If I've got to work with you, Donna, at least keep her out of it. And anyway, it's all years ago. You needn't be afraid, Stephen. You won't have to work with me after all. I'm afraid it's I who won't work with you now. No, you've talked a little too much, Stephen. We'll sell the theater and be done with it. What? I said we'll sell the Gloriana and be done with it. Donna, you don't mean that. My lawyer says I'm within my rights. Donna, you can't do that. Why not? The Gloriana's our theater. It's been our theater for 80 years. It was your father's and his father's before that. Now if a stranger gets in there... I'm not afraid of that, Stephen. Can't you see what you're smashing? The broom tradition, the tradition of two centuries. Not smashing, Stephen, transferring. You think the broom tradition lives in you and Eustace? I think myself strong enough to transfer it all through myself to Edmund. <laughs> our sons will not be of age for another twen- ten years... And that gives you and me plenty of time, Stephen, to fight this out. Let's see ten years from today which branch will represent the broom tradition. Don't look so frightened, Stephen. You used to like a fight. Donna, I beg of you not to do this mad thing. Yes, you always thought me mad. Donna, you don't realize the brutality of what you're doing. This starting again from the beginning with the children my wife always ill. It's more than I can face. We all say that when we're in trouble. But you know, one does face things, and after a time, one masters them, or is mastered by them. It's all a question of one's nature, Stephen. One must learn to be hard, and learn to be cold, and learn not to feel too much. And then one wins. Donna, are you still holding against me that craziness when we were both so young? I wish you wouldn't be so emotional when I want to talk business. However, I can talk to my lawyer, and he can see yours. And you do understand, Stephen, don't you? That I'm going to sell the Gloriana. Half an hour, please. Half an hour. Half an hour. 
Hello, Miss Groom. Thank you. Is Mr. Edmund in there, Mom? Yes, Joe, I'm here, thanks. Oh, half an hour, please, sir. Half an hour. You'd better go and dress, Oh, Edmund. not yet, Mother. It doesn't take me five minutes. It should, Edmund. Even on the road, you know. Well, it does as a rule, Mother. Let me stay here and talk with you a little longer. Have you missed me? Mm-hmm. How'd the show go last night? Fairly. Not a good house. And Henry and your part wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you arranged anything, Edmund, with the theater in Manchester? No, it's as I thought it would be. Cousin Stephen has been in Manchester before us. He's there this week with the school for scandal oh. and the cigarette maker's romance. So they don't want another broom company for quite a while, That's isn't it? it? That's <laughs> it. You do get in each other's way, don't you, you and Cousin Stephen? It's astonishing how he draws, too, in spite of his third-rate company. You watched their show, then? Yes. How did he play? Is he aging? Does it show? Well, he's, he's not so much aging, Mother. He's looking badly. You know, his wife Madeline died last week, I suppose. I told you that myself. I suppose, Mother, this feud between you and Stephen has got to go on. Feud? Hand me that eye black there, will sure, you? Sure, here you are. Thanks. What do you mean by feud? Your cousin and I are necessarily business rivals, and as you know, there have been interminable money disputes. Business is business, even in a theater. But feud... Mother, don't bluff of course, it's a feud. You both had your knives at each other for years. Hang if I can see what you've got out of it. What do you get out of it, Mother? You must get something. It ain't to be eaten. I've my living to earn, and yours. Good, Mother, you're not earning it, are you? We're much worse off than we were five years ago, dragging ourselves around the country this way. We've been out of London for three years now. You know what's playing at the Gloriana now and what used to be our theater? Third-rate musical comedy. That's because of the lawsuit. I can't see why you ever started these lawsuits. No, Edmund. It's not necessary for you to see. But if you'd been in my position at that time, I think you would have done just as I did. Anyway, your cousin started the lawsuit, not I. He says you forced him. He said... What do you mean, he said? What's this about, Edmund? Do you mean you've been in touch with Stephen without telling well, me? Mother, I went around to see him after the show, of course. You went around? But, Mother, why shouldn't I? We were just saying there was no feud. I like Stephen's acting very much, and I hadn't seen him for years. I just thought I'd go around, so I went around, so... Of course he saw me. We got on very well. He asked after you, too, as a matter of fact. After me? Isn't it all bitter? He's pretty hard up, I think. Did he speak of his wife? Of Madeline? Oh, yes, poor devil. He's got some sister-in-law there to look after the children. And Eustace? Eustace is at Oxford still, of course. I see. Stephen's son is at Oxford, but my son oh. is earning his living. Well, suppose you'd sent me to Oxford and I consented to go, Mother. Anyway, Cousin Stephen is half killing himself to do it. He seems to have told you a good deal in one interview. Quarter of an hour, please. Quarter right. of an hour. Better go and dress now. You'll be late. Uh, no, I just like a hurried makeup. We'll talk about it afterwards. About what? Oh, about Cousin Stephen. There's nothing Quarter to talk hour, about please. that I can Quarter see. Of an hour. All right. Quarter of an Don't be so stubborn, Mother. Of course I'm right. We're losing money all the time. Cousin Stephen is forever cutting us out. My dear Edmund, we more than cut our cousin Stephen in return. For every penny we lose, he loses a shilling. Yes, Mother, but why lose a penny or a shilling? Why did Grandfather and Uncle Russell succeed as they did? Because they knew how to combine, that's all. Combine? Look here, Mother, I have a scheme. I've been working at it for weeks. I don't want to hear it, Edmund. Mother. It seems to me very impertinent of you, at your age. Mother, you brought me up to look at this company as my inheritance. Yes, Edmund. And when you put on your first play as an independent London manager, independent even of me, then I shall have done my work in the world, Edmund, and then I shall be ready to go home. But until then... You said, Mother, that when I was 21, you'd hand over the company to me. Is that right? Yes, I Well, that's a year off, but I swear to you, the day I'm 21, this is what I'll do. I'll go straight across to Cousin Stephen, and we shall combine our companies, and then we'll soon be back in London at the Gloriana. Oh, that's just a dream. Of course we will, with Stephen and you and me together, the brooms together again. There's no limit to what we could do. So why not let me go to Stephen instead of frittering away another year? Another year, it'll be too late. Cousin Stephen will be smashed. Mother. I'd like to see that ending. 
I'd like to see your cousin Stephen smashed, crashed, wiped off the stage, wiped out of the history of the theater. Yes, Mother, I know all about that. A vindictive lot, we've rooms and proud of it. But, Mother, this isn't 20 years ago. This is today. I wish you could see what an opportunity this is. You can hate Cousin Stephen as much as you like, and he can hate you. Does he? Well, he won't discuss you naturally, but he's not exactly warm and cheerful when you're mentioned. But, Mother, what I'm trying to say is you can hate each other as much as you like as long as you don't mix me up in it. It hasn't anything to do with me. But what does concern me is my chance of going into management as a broom, of acting in my own theater once more. You don't know what you're asking, Edmund. Yes, I do. I'm asking you not to be sentimental. How dare you, Edmund? Sentimental, Mother. Mother, I've set my heart on this. So I see it. Well, what about it? You see the sense of it, don't you? Oh, yes, I see the sense well, of it. Well, Mother, will you meet Cousin Stephen? He won't meet me. That's what he said. Oh, so you've talked to him already. Of course, Mother. <laughs> Crack the soft nuts first. Oh, Edmund, Edmund... You see, Mother, this is in some sort of a, a test of me, of my power to get my own way. If I can make you and Cousin Stephen do what I want, I should be, it seems to be pretty sure that I'm on the right lines. For what, Edmund? Well, for making everyone else do what I want, of course. <laughs> oh, Mother, I do want my life to be a success. And mastery, that's the greatest thing in life for me. Mastery, I want to master everybody. And if you meet someone you can't master, Edmund, sooner or later? I'd beat him somehow. Supposing you couldn't? Oh, how I'd hate him. I don't hate you, Edmund. So you generally get me to give in to you. Well, if you didn't, I should hate you, Mother. Oh, my son. I should. Edmund, if one day your son said the same thing to you... My own son? Mm-hmm. Then I should see that he kept his place. Pooh. You'll be proud of him as I am of you. I'd like to see a son of mine try it on, that's all. I'd break him, then I'd build him up again. First, I'd break him. I don't want to break you, Edmund. So you are too much for mm-hmm. me. Yes, but that's because we agree, Mother. We agree mm-hmm. so well. Right now, you're only making objections, you know, to amuse yourself. Very well, Edmund. Make the appointment. I'll see him. Well, you've read the agreement and I take it that you're through. So if you'll sign here, Miss Donna. Yes, I'll sign. Thank you. Now you, Edmund. Thank you. Oh, you please, Stephen? I can't do it. I won't do it. It's signing away Eustace's birthright. My son's birthright. My dear cousin, Stephen. I've tried to blind my eyes to it, but here it's written down clear enough. And I won't do it, Donna. If your boy here is my partner, that's well enough. But what about Eustace? I've got to look after my own son. Well, don't ask me to step out of management in order to make room for Eustace. I won't do it. It's all right, Mother. Nobody's asking you to do it. He is. He is. Don't humor me, Edmund. I know your cousin, Stephen. He's always been out for what he can get. Oh, Mother, please. You of all people, Donna, have no right to make me that reproach. You were always a good bargainer yourself. If I was a good bargainer, at least I stuck to my bargains. Can you say the same? Mother. No, Edmund, no. Don't stop me. Let him answer. Well, Stephen... Mother, stop torturing us. Come on and sit down. Sorry to be obstructed, my boy. You mustn't blame me. When you're my age, you'll feel differently about things. After 40, you don't work for yourself anymore. You shift on your ambitions to the other generation. Ask your mother. She'll tell you the same. Yes, that's true. The center of interest shifts. Donna, you're so determined to work with your son. Can't you see? Can't you understand? I want to work with mine. That isn't the point, Cousin Stephen. The point is that if we join up now, we may recover. If we go on separate, it's just ruin for us both. I want to work with my son, with my son. You want to work with your son, Stephen? 
Where's your son? Hmm? Stephen. Hmm? Where's your son? What do you mean? Mother. Edmund's your son, Stephen. You're his father. Are you mad? What's father, son. Mother. Son, father. Cousin Stephen. <laughs> Cousin Stephen. Is father. Son. Cousin Stephen, is this true? Son. Edmund, give me that deed of partnership. I'll sign it. <laughs> understood then, isn't it, that you put out of your mind all this nonsense about going to Blandon's? Oh, no, Edmund, I'm going. But, Mother, why? I felt this last year as if I were running a race with you, Edmund. Only you're running on dry land and I'm running through mud or water. It slows me. You'll feel the same when you're 40 and have to keep up with your children. Well, it's leaving me in the lurch. It's Unlike you, imagine me all alone coming home tired. <laughs> Darling, no one to speak to. Oh, you'll get accustomed to being alone, Edmund. You'll like it, really. No, I won't. You know. You know, my dear boy, there are times when my authority irks you. And I'm too old to learn how to lay down authority. Well, mother, you and I... There's your entrance, sir. All right. Mother, for the last time, you can't do this. Mr. Bruce, right. Right. You must be out of your mind. The theater's your life. It's all that you love. You're wrong, dear. 
I've always hated the theater. Mr. Prune! Right! Make all our trumpets speak. Good evening, Miss Donna. Good evening. You going out front, Miss Donna? No. You don't mean you're leaving, Miss Donna, in the middle of the show? Yes. If my son asks for me, tell him I've gone home. Very good, Miss Donna. Now then, now then, come on, clear the stage door, please. Good night, Miss Donna. Thank you. Good night. You know who that was? That old woman who just went out? No. Who is it? That's Donna Broom. Edmund Broom's mother. That's it, which is. That old lady. I never... You know, I always Oh, thought... shut up, will you? I want to wear. She should have died hereafter. There would have been a time for such a word. Tomorrow. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools their way to dusty death. Out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow. A poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. have been listening to Helen Hayes and Orson Welles in the Campbell Playhouse presentation of Clements Dane's Broom Stages. In just a moment, Miss Hayes and Mr. Wells will return to the microphone. In the meantime, may I remind you again how a bright, glowing plateful of Campbell's tomato soup just makes you sit up and take notice? Its aroma invites you, and as you sip spoonful after spoonful, there's a real thrill in its flavor, a flavor that only superb tomatoes and an exclusive recipe can create. These tomatoes are specially grown for Campbell's. They have glorious deep color and are extra luscious. And this season's crop of tomatoes was exceptionally fine, and you'll enjoy the full flavor of those tomatoes now in Campbell's tomato soup. And so I specially urge you to have Campbell's tomato soup again soon. And now Orson Welles with his guests. Miss Helen Hayes. Just a moment, Mr. Chappell. Uh, yes, Miss Hayes? I want to tell you, Mr. Chappell, the way you describe Campbell's tomato soup always makes me hungry. Well, thank you very much. But, you know, long before I first heard you talk about it, we were having it often at our house. You see, we, uh, we like it. Well, Miss Hayes, I think you've given us the real reason why Campbell's tomato soup is bought and served more often than any other soup in all the world. People like it. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Orson Welles. I told you, ladies and gentlemen, that tonight's broadcast was Helen Hayes' own choice. Broom stages, she tells me, has long been her favorite story of the theater. And when Miss Hayes says the word theater, believe me, she's talking about something she knows. She's been in it since childhood, and I doubt if there's anyone in this generation who's worked so successfully, so unselfishly and tirelessly, 
to keep this theater of ours a live and burning thing in the hearts of audiences the country over. This moment, with her most recent New York success, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Hayes is once more on the road. Last night, within a few minutes of the curtain going down, she was on her way to New York to be with us today. Now she plays in Boston, and uh, after Boston, I believe, uh, what is your next uh, stop after Boston, Ellen? I'm off to Buffalo. <laughs> off to Buffalo. Well, uh, we were speaking of the yes, roads and, and of the Quite theater. a few things have changed since Donna Broom went touring with her American company, of course. There were no planes or radios in those days, and most of the theaters where she appeared have long been torn down. Yet in the audiences to which we play, there must be sitting every night grandchildren of those who saw Donna Broom. Uh, if I may interpret you, you mean if there really had been a Donna Broom. But there was, Orson, there was. Though that may not have been her name. She existed, I know she did. And she'll always exist as long as there are theaters standing and shows produced and audiences to enjoy them. As a matter of fact, I know she existed because at this moment there's one thing about which I share her feelings completely. Uh, what's that, Ellen? About wanting to go home, Orson. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Only unlike Donna, I don't have to go as far as Blandon, just to Nyack. The car's waiting for me downstairs, and the family's waiting for me at home. Helen, you certainly deserved uh, all of those things. Good night. Good night, Orson. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. And once more, thank you. Thank you, every one of you. And ladies and gentlemen, as to next week, next Sunday night... We bring our version of one of the most outstanding motion pictures of that master of the human touch in the cinema, Mr. Frank Capra. This celebrated Mr. Deeds goes to town, and our guest star will be that delightful and merry actress who has, in a few years, won herself an enviable position in the type of part that no one else plays quite so well, Miss Joan Blondell. And so until then, until next Sunday, and Mr. Deeds goes to town, my sponsors, the makers of Campbell Soups, and all of us in the Campbell Playhouse, remain, as always... Obediently yours. The makers of Campbell Soup join Orson Welles in inviting you to be with us in the Campbell Playhouse again next Sunday evening when we present, by arrangement with the Columbia Pictures Corporation, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town with Miss Joan Blondell as our guest. Meanwhile, if you've enjoyed tonight's Playhouse presentation, won't you tell your grocer so tomorrow when you order Campbell's tomato soup? This is Ernest Chappell saying thank you and good night. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you.